Now, the reason I've asked Richard to come onto the stage is that he preached last week. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we have Molly preaching this week. Now, just look at the difference. <laughs> you know, Thank you. we have... And what a tremendous example this is of this multi-generational community God is establishing here. We have old people like Molly. Keep them sweet. You know, Richard is here and he's probably one of the oldest members we have. I'm just trying to encourage him. <laughs> and, and Molly comes as his rising generation and Molly is going to be bringing the word this morning. So we, we gather as an incredibly privileged people. I was just thinking earlier, you're going to pray for Molly in a minute, just give you notice. <laughs> Molly's probably the youngest preacher we've ever given a morning to. So Molly, there's no pressure, none whatsoever. But we do stand as an incredibly privileged people. There are many, many communities who would love to have this rising generation among them. So I'll tell you what, let's stand and let's just stretch out a hand and I'm going to ask Richard if he just lead us in prayer. But I do believe, Molly, relax. Honestly, they're not as bad as they look. Jesus, Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we want to thank you that you bring Jesus close to us. In worship, in the tithes and the offerings that we bring, in the notices and in the preaching of your word. We ask you, Holy Spirit, will you prepare our hearts to receive, Father, from you right now, through Molly. We pray, Holy Spirit, you come, you anoint her afresh, that what you've done in the secret place will be made manifest in public. For you're the God who says, that I who see in secret will reward you openly. We pray, God, for the anointing of your Spirit to rest upon her right now, for clarity to be given both to the speaker and to the hearers, that, Father, our ears would be attentive to your voice. Bless her abundantly, Father. Grant a great freedom in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Molly. Am I unmuted? I am. Hello. Um, I'm Molly, for those of you who don't know me, if my name wasn't mentioned enough. Um, and I'll be talking about Psalm 23 today. Um, if we can get that up. Yeah. Um, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, it overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Um, I find that a lot of the time... We just sort of brush over words and statements like, like God is good, he is big, Jesus died for our sins, 
the, these strong and these powerful, powerful words just slowly become de- like just dull over time because we've become desensitized by repetition. And, and words just they start to mean less. Sometimes we do the same when we read the Bible. Words start to become lines on a page rather than the voice of God. And it's difficult to do otherwise. I mean, for me especially, because I sometimes find it hard to concentrate. Um, And so reading for me is quite the task sometimes. And and when you're struggling to remember what the last line was and already bored of trying to read, I mean, it sort of takes the emphasis out of God's word a bit. Um, And I need to do my bit. I need to do my part and read these words with the awe and the curiosity that they deserve. Because, and I say this more for myself than anyone else, but they aren't just rules and they aren't just stories in the Bible. It's guidance, and it's one of the many ways that God communicates with us. On that note, we're going to read this again, but hopefully with a bit more oomph and a bit more of that childlike wonder that they really deserve. Okay, the Lord is my shepherd. This great big God that knows the location of every star and every grain of sand because he put it there, he's looking for you. He cares about you and he's watching over you. The bigger you make God in your life, the smaller everything else becomes. He's bigger than your fear and he is bigger than your sorrows. He was the first and he will be the last. He was the beginning and he is the end. And a time will come for a day where you you take your place next to him if you know him and you will sit with him for eternity. The good news is we don't have to wait for all eternity to be with him. It's, it's those times in the day where you sit down, you grab your Bible, and, and you just read, and you learn about him. It's those times in the day where you stick on your worship music, and, and you just engage in that relationship in the forms of praise. So protect that time you spend with him. Because of everything he created, he just wants to spend time with you. Yahweh created this immense tapestry of life, this beautiful creation. And out of it all, he wants you, he wants us. He says, there are whales that shout for me. There are mountains that bow down in my presence, but they are not you. The trees that stand tall and reach for my heavens because all they want to do is a glimpse of, see a glimpse of my holiness. I love them, but they are not you. Luke 19.40, if the disciples keep quiet, even the stones will cry out. Even the stones will cry out. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. The birds, they sing for me like choirs of angels every morning. Yes, I love them. No, they don't sin. But they're not you. You're special, I choose you. In all of my sin and all of my shame and all of my mistakes, he just wants me. He said, I am your shepherd and you are my sons and you are my daughters. And I will leave the 99 for you. In Matthew 18:12, it says, If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 and go to look for the one that wanders off? He will leave the 99 for you. Out of the hundred sheep, one got distracted by a nice little butterfly. And he just wandered off to go chase it. But that shepherd will leave his entire flock, the rest of the sheep, to go find that one. Because it is his job, it is his choice to go find him, to look after all of his sheep. Not not some, 
because he likes those ones, but those are a bit annoying, so I'll just keep these ones in my place. Or, or those ones are a bit weird. They can do their own thing. No, it's his promise, his duty to look after them all. He left the whole flock to get the one that was too silly to stay because he promised to protect them all. You are all part of the all. You are all part of the flock. None of you are any less valid or any more important than each other. He doesn't love you any more or less than one other from the flock. And if you lose your way, he will run his fastest to find you and bring you home no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter why you left. What kind of shepherd would he be if he lost his sheep? And he's not just a shepherd. He is the king of all kings, the God of creation. He's more than just a lowly shepherd. The second half of Psalm 23.1 is, I lack nothing, which is also translated as, I shall not want. And why would we need to? When we have this great big God that provides everything we could ever need right there in front of us, and yet we turn away from what we need to lust over the things that we want. like money and like status. We look towards these things for for comfort, to feel powerful. These things are our forms of praise because they make us feel good. We're, We're supposedly better people. It's what the world tells us we need because we always need to feel in control. So we manipulate these things to feel big. So we think we understand them. We, we learn about these things. We look towards these things for safety and for, for, for feelings of love. But in Proverbs 11:28, it says, Those who trust in their riches will fall. He says, look upon him. Because he has what we need. We don't, we don't need to lust over these things and ruin ourselves because of it. Verse 2. We're getting there, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. This means he looks after us. A good shepherd gives his sheep rich food in bountiful amounts so that it is satisfied and it's healthy. And he lays them down in these big, beautiful green fields. And our father does the very same. That sheep doesn't worry about what is coming next week, or the week after that, or the week after that. And it definitely doesn't concern itself with with what it hasn't got, what other sheep have. It doesn't look towards the other sheep and go, that sheep has more food than me. That sheep has a grain of grass, and I want that grass. No, it looks at the great amounts of food it has, and it does not worry. Because it is living, it is alive, and it is safe, because it has what it needs. So why don't we? Sometimes we torture ourselves with, with looking past what we already have. And we grow weary from looking for what we don't have. Those who constantly strive after wealth of material and love for money will, will never have enough. And more is exhausting. So don't be anxious of what you don't have. Because Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father, he feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? Are you of not more value than they? He feeds those birds, and the other beasts of the earth. 
So for sure he'll feed his children. Those children he created. The ones he really, really loves. The ones he's chosen to be with him. He will feed them and he will look after them. So trust in God because he will lead you beside quiet waters. He will bring you peace. So meditate with him. Let him take you to rest because he knows that you need it. We lead busy lives and sometimes we forget to give ourselves the time to rest and recharge. So whatever situation you are in, just surrender it to God. Because you might well try to do it on your own, but God is letting you know that you don't have to. We're the people are constantly told that asking for help makes us weak. And so going to God is, by habit, usually a last resort. And we have this long list of, of steps and processes that we go through before we talk to God and we ask God. Which is honestly so beyond me. Why do we do that? Why? Why, why do we trust in ourselves? We're human. We have the opportunity of a lifetime. We have this, this immensely long chance to go to God. I, I can't comprehend why we do this. He is this awesome being with an infinite mind and so much more knowledge and experience than we could ever imagine. And yet we still turn to ourselves. We, I must do this and I'll do this and then I'll do this and then maybe I'll pray. No, it should be, I'll pray. And then God can help me do these things. Thank you. <laughs> we need to ask God the first before all other options. Because we trust him with our souls, yet we don't trust him with that job offer that we're struggling to, to get. Or with that bill that we're struggling to pay off. Or the person who is really hard to forgive. But he knows. He knows. So we don't need to. We don't, we don't need to look to ourselves. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Because that is what we were made for. We weren't created to follow the devil's taunts or the calls of the fallen angels. He puts us on the right path so we can take our place as caretakers on his earth. Now let's go back to the beginning for this bit. God made us in his image to carry out the duty of looking after the world. But he gave us the will to choose. He gave us the choice to choose whether we follow that path. And a lot of people choose not to. Eve ate the apple. The Israelites worshipped the golden calf. King David lied, murdered and stole another man's wife. We are a broken people. And then this perfect man, Jesus, he came down to show us how to be human. How God had intended us to be. God says, son, I am here to hold your hand. You just need to choose to hold mine. Don't make the same mistakes as my other children did. Let me refresh your soul. Let me take away your sin. Let me wash you clean and let me robe you in royalty. I am your shepherd and I stand by you, son. But this is a two-way thing and you need to choose to stand by me too. You have a place next to my throne. Come sit with me. You have a place at my table. Come and eat with me. You have a place in my heaven. Come and join me. When you walk through that dark valley, we will fear no evil. 
because the same God that sent his perfect son to die on that cross for all of his other imperfect children, he said so. He tells us. When we're in that dark place, we often pray for revelations and breakthroughs in our spirits and in God. But what use is it if we're not a part of our own plan and taking God's hand first? We forget to surrender before we ask for change. Because we fear change and letting go. We fear the unknown, so we stay in comfort of what we do know. But he says, lean not on your own understanding. He says, lean not on your own understanding. Because it is written in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that he will make everything beautiful in its time. And he has put eternity into man's hearts so that he will not know what he has done from beginning to end. So he's impossible to understand anyway. So why do we exhaust ourselves trying? We waste energy trying to figure him out. So instead, why don't we just trust him? I know it's easier said than done. And it's hard to know that God is there when you just feel so alone. When I've been walking through the valley of death and bereavement, when I've been walking through the valley of mental health, the valley of fear and sorrow, I didn't always know that God was there. I didn't always want to believe that this God I had been taught that was so kind would let me suffer. Only when I left the valley and got through to the end could I see he never left my side. Not until I could stand on that high place, that hill, could I look over my troubles and realise that God had answered prayers that I had forgotten I prayed. It's harder to notice the miracles of life, the miracles of God when you're living it. And it's harder to notice how much he loves you when it just feels like a regular sad Saturday. It may not seem like it, but when you're in it, those things will become so much clearer. When you're at the end of that valley, looking down on it from above like a map, and you see the X marks the spots of every time you struggled, you found especially hard in those times. But you see, you see how God did something so big, so strong, you may not have noticed it, but if you hadn't, you wouldn't have got through that valley. Or it would have been so much harder if you did it alone. And even me, I, I don't notice a lot of the time. I mean, I've had healings that I'd forgotten I'd even prayed about that I even needed. I just take advantage of this great big God and I forget to thank him. I remember about two years ago at New Day, I, had, I actually had like, quite bad asthma. Like, I couldn't sleep during the night. I had to ring my mum up. I was like, look, what do I do? <laughs> I need to sleep. <laughs> um, and I just struggled to breathe. And then I prayed. And then I haven't used to use an inhaler since. But only a year later did I notice that, you know, I had lungs. Like, I could breathe. Um, and it's sometimes not until after do we look back and we remember how hard it would have been, how different it could have been without him. But sometimes it, it doesn't seem so, so nice when you look back on it. You look back on it and it's scary to see how it could have been. I realise that I may have not gotten through that valley if I lived a godless life. But I don't have to think about that because I'm here and I'm stronger than if I hadn't had gone through that valley. Because God has a plan for me and he is bigger than that valley. He is bigger than me. He is bigger than my sadness. And I'll always get to the end if I hold his hand. Verse 5. 
it says, that he has prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. How outstanding is that? You're fine dining with the king of kings. And these, these enemies, these demons, these tempters are set around this table trying to grab at you and claw at you and turn your face away from Jesus. Is God scared? Do, do you think this creator of life is, is a little bit anxious of, of these demons, these, these fallen angels? We are, for sure we are, we're human. But God is sat there in comfort and so we are sat in love. Because he is more. He is more. He's probably sat there sipping some really good wine, maybe eating a breadstick and other heavenly foods, and he is looking. <laughs> he is looking. He's not, even, he's not even paying attention to the tormentors. He's looking at us because we are his children. He's not afraid of these demons because they can't take you away because you chose him. You chose the path of righteousness when you sit at that table. I am sitting at that table in the presence of my enemies. I'm scared. Definitely. And no matter how many times I'm looking over my shoulder to see if they're getting me or if they're taking me away yet, it doesn't matter because I chose that path. I chose my King Jesus, the Lord of Lords. And he is guiding me down that path of righteousness. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me for all the days of my life. Now, this doesn't mean being a Christian is easy. Ask any Christian, you know it's not sunshine and roses, is it? But what it does mean is choosing the love that God has wanted to give you since he first said your name an eternity ago. That's when he made this great big plan. And now you're finally here on this earth. He has waited years, centuries, millennia just to see you walk this earth so you carry out this big plan that he has for you he knows how it ends but he gets to watch you and walk with you to see what you do he he has to be on this journey with you right now like any father he he just wants to see you succeed and love him and you're here and he just wants to give you a big old hug he wants to see you trust him and love him too he he wants to love me I've feared for, for safety for my friends for my family that they don't know him I've feared for anxieties and traumas and, and sadness because I never thought I'd, I'd get through these valleys but he is leading me out of this valley there will be more to come for sure there will be more but he's decided I have decided that I am more with him because through all things in Christ everything is possible so I'd like to ask the band to join me we're going into a time of reflection um So if you'd like to stand. We have time here at the end. 
a bit more time than usual. So <laughs> if you'd like to come to the front for, for ministry, if you'd like to just stay where you are and, and praise and be in the presence of God, you can engage in that relationship with him because there is room and there is time to so take advantage of that because you are his children and he loves you and he wants to spend time with you. So there is room and there is time. Praise you, God. Father, we are here for you. Thank you that you know the darkest parts of us and yet you love us still. Thank you for holding our hand in times of sadness and weakness. I pray that you show us your light and guide us down your path. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.